Okay, wow. What a swing, huh? This is life as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan lately because last, actually Monday of this week, I was so sick of this team. I was absolutely sick of them. The the losses that were piling up and just the fashion that they were losing, the fact that it was two in a row to the COVID Canucks there had me at my wits end. I was so stressed. I like I almost didn't bet the Leafs money line on Thursday when they played the Jets there, which I I, I do almost every game. It's a tradition. Put it's a dollar, but put a dollar on the Leafs, and I, I almost couldn't do it because it was just they they just looked lifeless and ugly and stupid. But lo and behold, the new kid on the block comes in and. Reza. I mean, just the, the last two games against the Jets overall, just what happened in the games, not even just the score and the play and all of that. Um, it's the the media, uh, sorry, the, the interview that Wayne Simmons did, uh, the jumbo Joe Thornton actions there, the Wayne Simmons again sort of thing, just the, the Rasmus Sandin, which we'll get into him more, just the attitude of the Leafs. And those two wins just felt so good. Like, as a Leafs fan, like, you're just feeling on top of the world right now. This is just, it's just a roller coaster ride. They can't win in, like, just normal fashion. And they can't lose in just normal fashion, it seems, anymore. It has to be some sort of grand, um, big show for the high highs and low lows. That's what it feels like right now. Um... But, so let's get into some more details of this week. I'm going to be detailing all the big things that happened this week with the Leafs. Um, But first, I want to get into a little bit of gambling diaries. Now, this is a segment I wanted to bring up a couple weeks ago. However, I stopped gambling because the account hit zero. And so that's what happens. (laughs) You just can't gamble. How can you write a gambling diary if you are not gambling? But I'm back. But couple bucks in the account and so now I can truly share my frustrations with this ever so stupid hobby that we have and so my gambling diaries begin at this it was oh everything was going okay pretty steady about even whatever and so Saturday I had Leafs money line hit perfect awesome I had flames money line because the uh, the Canadians let me down the night before because they suck. They just they just suck, and I'll get into that at the end of the episode. Um, so I was looking, I was sitting okay. The parlay didn't hit because of I can't remember why, but it, I was sitting okay. And I said, you know what, Ottawa Senators, they won me a little bit of money earlier in the week. I like how this team plays. They have Matt Murray starting. He's been hot lately. Put them down money line and plus one and a half just to hedge it off just a little bit. And what happens in this game? Oh, sorry, Anton Forsberg was supposed to start. So it was looking okay. I mean, he's been good lately. He's been good this year. And so what happens in this game? Obviously, Anton Forsberg gets injured. Warm-ups, because why wouldn't he? Matt Murray goes in. He's playing solid. Very close game. He gets injured. And so the one thing before the game started, my friend Ted, my friend Dave, Dave the Sens fan, he told me, don't 
like we're not putting any money on this game if Marcus Hogberg is Marcus Hogberg is in net. And why is that? Because he sucks. He's trash. He's just a human sieve. And lo and behold, the third goalie, Marcus Hogberg, who was supposed to have the night off because he sucks, had to go in. And they lost. Not only did they lose. They were down. They were down three-two. Okay, pull the goalie. I thought, okay, let's push for it. Let's get a shitty goal like they always do. And then, what happens? The Canucks get an empty netter, making it four-two. Four minus two is two. Two is greater than one and a half. I lost the regular bet. I lost the hedged bet. And so it was just, I mean, just to end the night like that. I mean, it was like midnight when this game ended too. Just absolutely miserable. Miserable feeling. So then today, I went and I said, you know what? Tampa Bay versus Columbus shouldn't even be a contest here. Really. Tampa Bay is just so, like, leaps and bounds better than the Blue Jackets. So I went put more than what I usually do. I usually like to do a dollar. And it's you're gonna laugh at me, but I like to do it because of the competitiveness that I have with it. I put five. So five units for myself on the lightning winning uh, lightning puck line. So one by one and a half. Right? Now this lightning game doesn't quite start off as idealized I would like it to. Not only are they dominating, as you'd expect, but they're not winning. So I tuned in after the first period. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets had five shots, two of them goals. Nice. Nice. Oh, and did I mention they had their Vesna uh, favored goalie in net as well? So just everything's looking fine and dandy. Columbus is up 2-1. I, I, I'm watching. I watched the second and the third. It seemed like Columbus was just... They, they were at a different level. They were like a lower level. And that's what I mean by that. They, they Tampa Bay just ran all over them. And the best thing about it, Tampa Bay had this kid. Alexandre... Alexandre... I gotta look up the name because I actually forget. But skip that right now. Number 60... Um, I had kind of heard about this kid before, but what's crazy about all this and why I'm mentioning it, he was on the first power play, and he was getting minutes. Alex Barre Boulet. And he scored his first career in age. Like, the Lightning were just practicing out there, it seemed. And they had the puck. They were zipping it around, and just Corpus Salo played out of his skull. And like, like just why? Like, hedged it a little bit, put Tampa Bay money line when they were down, so that hit in the end. But they, it got taken all the way to overtime, so then just puck line out the window, goodbye. <sighs> so Saturday, Sunday, just a couple of tough days for gambling. There, lost a couple of bucks there. Not fun. Then you gotta go into Monday. Just like, losing back-to-back days is just not, not fun at all. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, my overall takeaway from that game, the Lightning, unreal. And once they get Kucherov back, whew, they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be forced to be reckoned with again. I think. Moving on, let's get into some Leafs talk, shall we? So the new kid on the block, Nick Foligno, first two games this week in the blue and white, had his dad's 93 uh, team issued hat on in the interview, making everyone feel good. I posted that interview that he did on uh, Wally and Mathot show, where he, talking about him winning the cup and just how he's, he sounds like he's dying for it. So how do you play? In his first uh, two games with the Leafs. Well, to preface it, I mean, he's he was a week off the ice, pretty much living in Sudbury for a week, uh, off the ice, not really with not with the team because he has to quarantine. So, I mean, it makes sense that it it, it seemed like he just didn't quite fit with Matthews and Marner yet. Um, they seemed like they were just one tiny step off from one another. Matthews and Marner actually had a great week. But it seemed like Felina wasn't quite there yet. And I can see how they could fit together. It just didn't seem like they were on the same level quite yet. And something seemed a little bit off with them. There was a couple plays like through the neutral zone, I remember once. And then another one were like, just like, they, wow, that could have been a great play. But the, the timing just wasn't there. And so I'm going to give it to the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He'd been off a week. This brand new line for him. Um, I mean, pretty playing huge minutes, huge expectations. I mean, he hasn't played in how long, right? So I'd like to give it another game or so just to see if eventually it does fit together. But I like that's not to say I really like this addition of Nick Foligno from the glimpses of what I saw out there of him. Well, the glimpses of good play that I saw out there of him. I think that he could really help the Leafs in terms of holding a lead. Uh, his forechecking is excellent. He's a physical presence out there as well. Adding that other physical presence really going to help us and help the Leafs in playoffs there. So, although the dynamic looked a little bit off on the first line there, I really th- like what he's going to bring to this team. And I think there, there could be something there. We just got to be a little bit more patient, right? They have a couple days of practice. Next Wednesday's the next game. I really hope that Felino is with Matthews Marner there when they try it out again. After a couple days of practice, should be we should get a better idea of what that line truly is together, right? And also, I really hope he does the Felino jump after he scores. He did it in Ottawa, and he said that was because it just felt right to do it. So, you know what? I'm hoping, uh, really hoping it feels right um, this time. Other, not quite new. I mean, he played, I think, last week as well. But kind of coming back into the lineup, almost a new face, Rasmus Sandin. And he squeezed out Dermot one game as well. And deservedly so. I really liked what I saw from Rasmus Sandin. I mean, his last game, he hadn't played in, like, how long? Dealing with injuries and whatnot. Rasmus Sandin looked really good this week. I was very impressed with him. So he's a smaller guy. I don't even think 190 pounds, 5'11", but he can throw his weight around there. He really keeps that low center of gravity and is not afraid to step into guys. And we saw a perfect example of this. There was a Perot hit, hit on Perot that was really nice that I liked. 
Uh, the hit on Wheeler, obviously. That nice little reverse hit there. How do you do? Six foot five Blake Wheeler, that is. Who is reaching for the puck there. Not, not, not against this team, buddy. Not against this team. So his physical presence out there is terrific. And then on top of that, he's not afraid to get hit either. And there was one specific play that I really liked that encapsulated pretty much everything that I like about Rasmus Sandin. And that was his feed to Adam Brooks in the first game against Winnipeg there. He pinched down low. He took the contact along the boards, was able to come out, sneak out from the contact with the puck there. He's looking dead at the defender's eyes at this moment here. And he throws a pass to his right, not even looking at Adam Brooks, tape to tape. Brooks is wide open. Why? Because he's not, Sandin's not staring down his target in that play. And it allows that passing lane to open up and it allows for a very good chance. And that's the other thing. He, he's like not by him not staring down his targets, both in the transition game and in, on the cycle game, really opens up the ice for him because people are left guessing what's he going to do next. He has a very good deceptive um, part to his game where the defenders don't know exactly what he's going to do next. They're left guessing. And as a result, it opens the ice up for him and it opens the ice up for his teammates. Another, like, on the transition, he's very smart with the puck as well. The one really, his assist this week was really, really nice. There was a play. He got the puck. Tavares was immediately open. He could have made a good pass to Tavares. Okay, Tavares could have went in two-on-two and dumped the puck in or whatever. Wouldn't have been much of a good chance. But he holds the puck on the play, attacks the center of the ice, goes towards the middle there, Finds William Nylander streaking down the right-hand side, who's wide open. Starts the two-on-one, and then bam. He, he started a couple two-on-ones this week that were very impressive. It's partly on the part of the forward that it was it happened, but, I mean, it started from his stick as well. So, that was, I mean, he was, I can't say enough good things about what, what we saw from him this week. And even after that that Wheeler hit, he he dropped his gloves against Connor. He wasn't he wasn't afraid. He didn't back down from Kyle Connor there, which was really nice to see. So once Bogosian's back, which he was he's out four to week, uh, he's out for for minimum of four weeks. Once Bo goes back, I mean it's a little early, but I want Rasmus Sandin in there, no matter what. And also on the power play, I really want him on there as well. I didn't quite mention it quite yet, but the power play, I, like f- for all the good reasons that I just mentioned with him, he deserves to be on power play one over Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley is far too predictable with the puck. His hands are almost made of stone, it seems. He's very good at skating the puck up ice and moving the puck up ice there, but he's not as good of a passer. He's not deceptive at all. You can guess his next move. He's not a very good shooter. Whereas Rasmus Sandin moves very well, he's very shifty out there, he leaves the defender guessing and he opens up the ice for the other forwards out there. So we saw it a little bit at the end of last game, I really hope that we see it a lot more moving um, next game. Try it out, why not? Power play hasn't been great, it was better, and that's what I'm going to get into next. The power play was, it, it looked okay on Saturday, I gotta say. 
they got some good cycles going on. The power, second power play was looking good. And the first power play, I mean, William Nylander hit the crossbar on, got robbed and then hit the crossbar on a wide open net. So the power play, once it established possession in the offensive zone, it looked a little better. And they got a goal this week. I mean, baby steps were almost there. Need a little bit better than one goal in one week, but it looked a little bit it looked a little bit better when they were in the offensive zone. A lot more comfortable and they were able to generate more chances. However, the zone entries seemed very predictable and the drop pass I really did not like. It was not being utilized well at all. The purpose of the drop pass is it's like when you, you're tossing it to the running back you're trying to open up holes so that they can make their way through the drop the drop pass it seemed for the Leafs was they were sending it all the way back like way way back and the Jets were just sitting there at the blue line waiting for them so it caused some breaks caused some breakups there I, I really think they got to adjust that and they got to game plan a little bit better for that one because either dump it in or make sure you're opening actually opening up lanes for someone to um, get that zone entry there so those are my thoughts on the power play a little bit better we did see actually they started using the one thing everyone was suggesting hey use below the goal line a little bit more we saw it a little bit here and there we saw more we saw the puck touch below the goal line so baby steps it's getting better i think it'll get there not too too worried about that as of right right now so moving along um wanted to highlight the goaltending bounce back from this week and it's tough to say that because um by saying that i'm not counting monday and monday was the worst worst yeah i'd say one of the worst goaltending performances i've ever seen in the nhl ever plain and simple those two goals the hoglander goal and the pearson the last pearson goal that was just so deflating just to end the game like just call the game after that one. I was so sick. I was so done with the Toronto Maple Leafs as an organization after that Tanner Pearson goal. I don't even think that goal would have... If there was no goalie, I don't even know if that would have went in. Went off his skating in. And the Hoglander goal just went right through him. And then on top of that, there was a couple plays in the second period. I don't know. Like, did he go blind? There was like three plays where it hit him right into the chest. And the puck bounced straight up into the air. He had no idea where the puck was could have been an 8-3 game like Riddick just was that was tough to watch on Monday but it made it all the better that Jack Campbell two rock solid game against, games against the Jets before that, those Jets games Campbell had an 8-33 in his last four starts 8-37 if you count five starts not good just horrible outings these two solid these two outings that were solid what i meant 936 against winnipeg two wins lots of clutch saves when they were up i mean especially last game i mean even the uh the the win the 5-3 win against winnipeg the first one he made some he settled in he made some very very good saves so very encouraging to see you didn't get any uh, media clips. Oh, I was the worst player on the ice. And I say it kind of in a bad way because when you keep going up to this podium and saying, oh, I was horrible, I was horrible, I was horrible, it really spirals you down. And Kelly Rudy 
brought that up and I, I really agree with them there you, you you can't be continuously just ragging on yourself it'll take its toll on you and it'll just spiral you down so a very confident Jack Campbell this week and a team that's willing to protect him clearly too so shout out Jack Campbell that was a very good week from him I was very very happy with his performance which brings us into our next point the Attitude Era Leafs. That Wayne Simmons interview where he says, I'm sick of people touching our goalie. That just got you. <laughs> that really got me going. And then on top of that, 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 that was before the Saturday game. And then on top of that, to watch the Saturday game afterwards, I was I was flying. I was I wanted to, like, like, I wanted to not. Um, the first thing that pops in my head is, bar fight i don't know why that's that's not the what i'm trying to say i, w- I want to start like i want to start raving going to a rave there like the the energy that jumbo joe thornton and wayne simmons just radiated from that game i could not imagine being on that bench i would have like <laughs> I would have been skating Connor McDavid level out there. Holy smokes, those guys brought the energy. And to think those are our older players too. Joe Thornton, earlier in that game, scored. He's the oldest player to ever score for the Leafs, 41 years old. And he was out there trying to cause shit, start fights. Are you kidding me? It seemed like this guy was battling for a roster spot at a camp. seemed like he was a dusty fighter bound for a roster spot going after Ehlers like that that was awesome to see and the reason I call it the Attitude Era Leafs is because I really want this to keep going we're seeing some guys that aren't usually physical mix it up a little bit Galchenyuk's been hitting a little bit more um, Austin Matthews' hits per 60 this year have gone up we saw the Neil, the Marner, Neil, Pionk, John back and forth there I really like that one um trying to think who else there's a lot of other players there too but it's just so encouraging to see the guys the the team just stick up for one another like that i mean just really really nice to see it radiated energy and they're really going to need that in playoffs and i really hope they bring that consistently moving forward and i think they will i mean we're not talking about like kasperi kapan in here where it's a fight and a three goal game every five games this is Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton. Jason Spets in there too. We'll throw Felino in there. Seasoned pros that are going to bring it. They're going to bring that mindset. They're going to bring that that game every single time. So I'm excited. And this this is really gets me going. Just talking about it right here really gets me excited. This team. Um, transitioning the fourth line this week the new look fourth line Thornton Brooks and Spezza that was a good line they looked really good and the reason for that I mean Thornton and Spezza are exceptional players on the cycle because they're so smart and they're very very both very good passers and then add that in I mean Joe Thornton's shot is okay Jason Spezza's got a very deadly shot so the ability to create that cycle in the puck not only generates scoring chances, but it really tires out the other team too. It takes a toll on them when you're able to keep it in deep like that on the fourth line. So it's not the most physical line. A little bit of juice here and there, but 
it was really good to see they 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 I thought they were terrific this week together. Now Brooks has looked really solid in his return to the lineup. He's a more off he has a lot more offensive upside than someone like Engvall. Doesn't quite skate as fast or have that long reach, but he's more offensive upside and he, he's a very smart player that knows where to be. And it makes up for the fact that he doesn't have that one aspect to his game where it's like, wow, he's a very good skater. Wow, he's a very good shooter. Wow, he's, he's really skilled. Everything to his game is, yeah, it's good. It's, it's okay. But he's a very smart player and he knows where to put himself and he knows where to put the puck. So it really helps to make up for that fact there. And so keep him in the lineup. I've, I've been happy with what I've seen from him, especially in that depth role playing with those veteran players. I really like that. Um, so moving on from that, I think we've almost, with the one thing, unfortunately this week with Brooks in, well, I guess Brooks is a center, Robertson's a winger, but anyways, Nick Robertson, what's going on with that one? So there are entry level contract stipulations with this one. If he plays one more game and burns his entry level deal, I was very impressed with what I saw with him from him in, I mean, he earned more ice time. He was generating chances, especially his last game there. He missed a couple great... He fed Simmons on that pulpy wild save. That was a very good pass there. Very good tip by Simmons as well. And then he got fed by... I think it was by Simmons again and just missed on a fantastic opportunity. I thought he was very good in that game. Overall disappointing by the Leafs, but he was one of the bright spots. But unfortunately, I mean to save money for the next year and the years coming. I don't know if we'll see Nick Robertson again because it does have that contract stipulation if he plays one more game. And that includes playoffs too. So overall, impressive year. Impressive with the Marlies. Played well with the Leafs as well despite only having a limited amount of points. But fantastic. Good week by Robertson. Um, the last little note I had here, it's about Galchenyuk. I think one thing to watch out for with him, um, off the rush, I found that he was trying to force it a little bit too much. He should probably try to pull up similar to what William Nylander does. Stop up, head up, make a good pass. He's a good playmaker, so you should, should, shouldn't be trying to force plays one-on-one or two-on-two, like they're two-on-one-on-two, uh, like we saw on Saturday there, so... Just one thing to keep an eye on. I th- I'm sure that that'll be addressed with him, and we'll see him doing that in the in the coming games. So, before we get into what the playoff picture looks like moving forward, let's get into the friggin' right three stars of the week. And number one, fortunately, it's not traditional friggin' right kind of first star, but Mitch Marner was awesome this week. Mitch Marner was a rock star. Five primary points. He had the best expected goals for on the Leafs at 62.62%. And, I mean, just an overall great week for him. <laughs> Very good offensively, especially. So, there wasn't a... I mean, you just couldn't fat, couldn't justify putting anyone else at number one. Awesome week by Mitch Marner. Number two, though. The Electric Factory. Rasmus Sandin. Enter Sandman was terrific it was very fun to watch this week and i hope we get to he gets a lot more minutes moving forward because he's a gamer and he's going to be valued to this decor moving forward 
the misdirection passes, the hits, the puck movement. He, he was awesome. I mean, that, that hit on Wheeler just got everyone and their grandmother moving. And then the number three friggin' right start of the week, the Vets. Gotta lump them in. Spezza for what he did for the Marlies, in case you didn't hear. He got the lease to start a fund, a pool of money to help out the AHL players because the AHL players all had their salaries slashed. If you were on an AHL contract, it was a minimum of 30000 ish. Um, but I think it was like you only got like 40% of your salary this year. For a lot of these guys, it's tough to live off of. So the Leafs pulled together their money to help out their AHL brethren. That was started by Spezza. Awesome to see. Awesome to see. Um, and then Thornton and Simmons in there as well. Need some recognition in there as well. I mean, them just taking care of business at the end of Saturday. Simmons taking care of freaking Pierre-Luc Fartbois um, when he tried to jump on Campbell there. Freaking guy. I hate that guy so much. I mean, stupid little cross checks to the back. But both of those guys taking care of business. You know, the Leafs, people saying the Leafs are a dirty team now. Are you kidding me? Before they were, this is because they everyone's used to, like, it being the easiest game of the year. No bumps, no bruises from this team. But now the Leafs are starting to fight back. And they're just matching what the other teams are doing to them. Like, I don't buy it. The Leafs are not a dirty team. They're just, they're, they're finally, they're finally punching back. And it, it, it's, oh, oh man, I'm wired. I'm ready to run a marathon just talking about it. So, the playoff picture update. Let's get into that. And, oh, last one. Friggin' right, honorable mention, Jack Campbell. Solid game this week. Big bounce back. He's on the right track again. So, the playoff picture. What are we looking at? So, the Habs have one game in hand on the Flames. But the Flames have really cut the the, lead, the Habs' lead. And I think that's happened in a lot of other uh, divisions as well. So the Flames, a couple wins against the Canadians, a couple big wins against the Canadians. They're four points back. How fun would that just be if the, the Canadians missed the playoffs? I'm rooting for that so hard. I mean, Calgary screwed me on so many. I picked them so many times this year, and they just screwed me so many times. But I really want them to make the playoffs over the the Habs. And it's funny because the Leafs kind of hold the Habs' destiny in their hands because the Leafs play them four more times to end the year. Four more times. Four more wins for the Leafs. Four losses for the, the Habs. Some wins by the Flames in there. Ooh. That'd be spicy. Twitter.com would literally light on fire if that happened. And I'd be so for it, too. So, on top of that, the the, the Vancouver Canucks actually have a better point percentage than the, uh, the Flames. But they only have 41 games played. Montreal is 46. Calgary has 47. So... Really, really depends on how they play with all those games remaining because they have so many more than the rest of the team. Gonna be gonna be a tire. Some of those games are be very tiresome. And if if the miraculously if the the Canucks get in, they're gonna be very tired going into that first round of playoffs. I'll tell you that much. So that's how it, that's what it's looking like in the North. The Leafs first at 65, 
uh, 48 games played. Jets, one game in hand, but 57. So leaves eight points up there. Edmonton third at 56. And then the Montreal at fourth, 49. And then Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa eliminated. They're not going anywhere, but yeah. Moving forward, as I mentioned, a lot of playoff races got getting a lot closer. I know, like, the East... Uh, like the Bruins have two games in hand on the Rangers, but it, the deficit has only been cut to four points there. So I really hope the Rangers keep rolling in that one. Um, the Central Dallas Stars are two games in hand on the, the the Predators, and they're only down by two points. All right, all right. One to keep an eye on. I mean, Blackhawks here out by five, so a little bit more, but still, they're still in it. They're still in it. Um, and then in the West, Arizona jumped over St. Louis. They're one point ahead, but St. Louis does have three games in hand on them. So I th- still, I mean, there's still a bit of a fight. Like before, I remember checking about a week ago and it was like, I don't think we're going to get anything down to the wire. Now it's a bit more of a stretch, but there are some fights going on in each division. So keep your eye on the standings. I'd be checking every single day pretty much because it's it's getting feisty up in here. So covers everything I wanted to talk about this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. My last closing thought. Uh, grow a power stash for the playoffs because if you don't, if you're capable of growing play, uh, facial hair and you don't, what are you doing? You're missing out. Playoff power stashes. Get them going now. Groom them. Grow them. Maintain them. See you guys next week.